You're welcome. It's a birthday. We're gonna party like it's a birthday. Hey, I will not subject you to me rapping for the rest of this episode, but friends, today is the first birthday of the Your Welcome podcast, launched one year ago today. And if this is our first time hanging out, welcome. I'm so excited that you are here. Forgive me for just a moment while I chat to those of us who have been here for the last year or joined us along the way, because I want to thank you so much that you have given me the space to do something rather unique. And I did not know what I was doing when I launched a podcast a year ago. I had no idea that it would become one of my favorite parts of the week, my favorite way of spending time with you, one of the most rewarding parts of my job. But I also wasn't so aware of just how unique my vision of what I was starting was. 90% of the podcasts out there that are led by women are interview podcasts or have a co-host. There are very few that are a solo woman host. Every once in a while, I've had someone that I interviewed for a specific reason, but by and large, it's not an interview podcast. And the couple I can think of that are tend to be very laser focused. They are speaking about Uh, online small businesses or life coaching or uh, leadership for female CEOs. There's almost no examples of women that are saying, we're going to talk about a lot of different things here. And I think to me, it is indicative of my real relationships. To me, this feels like the very similar to the conversations that I have with my girlfriends throughout the week. What you and I talk about here is the same thing I'm chatting about with my girlfriend Monica on FaceTime or Jade and I are leaving voice memos back and forth on. And those topics run the gamut. We are not speaking about business or beauty or life coaching or one thing all across the board. And on top of that, these episodes are not short. We just crossed, drum roll please, a half a million downloads in the last year, which is Freaking phenomenal because these are not bite-sized episodes. You know, if I wanted to just be like, I reached a million downloads or two million downloads, there are folks that go live with five-minute episodes or 12-minute episodes because they're going to have a lot more downloads. And that's great. But to me, I just don't do fluff. As you know, um, I, I think that the, the important things to talk about in life, they can't be summed up in five minutes. And for me, when I listen to shorter podcast episodes, they might feel like I checked a box being like, yep, listen to that episode, nailed it. But they don't stick with me the same way that conversations of more depth in the same way that a quick little text convo with a girlfriend does not stick with me the same as when we actually spent 45 minutes talking while I was on my daily quarantine walk here um, in Phoenix. So these are not short episodes, and I just thank you so much for being the people that want to go deeper in life, want to have these reciprocal relationships where I am being vulnerable so you can be vulnerable, and I'm asking questions so that you can ask them of yourself, and it does challenge you. It does ask something of you. And I would rather have a smaller tribe that is deeper and meatier and more real. And this is the smallest tribe out of my, those of you that are on my email list and are over on Instagram. I feel like you here on the podcast, you are a smaller crew and you really are the VIPs because of the time we spend together. 
But I love the fact that we have Instagram as our two-way relationship. And so for anyone who is not over on Instagram super actively um, with me, maybe you haven't seen my posts or my stories don't pop up for you all the time, please, please come over, go to my profile, like and comment on a bunch of photos, actively go over and seek out my stories so it starts to pop up towards the beginning because that's where we really have the reciprocal relationship. And I can so tell the difference between those of you that comment and DM that are also part of the podcast tribe because we just have so much more depth than those folks that are only on Instagram or email where we just, we don't get this kind of time together. So last thing I will say is thank you so much that you share love for this podcast. It is the only way that it grows is through you telling your friends and family and followers. So thank you so much for those of you who share, you screenshot episodes and you put it on IG stories or the Facebook groups you're a part of, or you text your friends and family about it. And especially those of you that leave reviews, we are almost at 900 reviews. My dream is a thousand. We're going to get there someday. And it's still a fraction of those of you who listen, but every single one means so much. They light up my day when I see them. I just saw that we have two more since last week. So thank you so much to Macy, who said, I've been a listener since episode one and a longtime Instagram follower. I love, Macy, that you got this episode in just under the wire of the year anniversary. She said, I truly appreciate how Hillary tackles tough topics with such grace and thought out common sense. I've never shared so many podcast episodes with so many people. Each is truly its own gem. And Abigail said, I've been loving, able to keep my mind focused on helpful things during this time just to have someone challenge my mindset and my thoughts to better me as a human is invaluable. Love the way the truth is presented on here. You are a lovely, wonderful soul to pour yourself into us. Abigail, thank you so much for pouring back with that concept. And today's topic is all about how we pour out into and from one another. So I hope that it will bless all of us during this time. Welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, beautiful. Today, I want to put language to something that I have been struggling with for a few years and I've never shared about because it's sort of inherent to the crux of the whole thing that you feel a bit awkward when you find yourself in this position to share about it. And yet I thought recently that many of us may be experiencing this during this pandemic. So I threw it out on Instagram stories and 90% said they were experiencing this right now, which blew me away. And then even more so, I got so many DMs and messages saying, oh my gosh, yes, this explains this other story, this time when this happened to me. And a lot of people asking, where where did you get this phrase? Is there a book? Is there a TED Talk? Where can I learn more about this? And this is truly just a phrase I came up with simply to help myself through my own experience a couple of years ago. And it's this concept of third circle grief. I think there are five circles of grief that you can find yourself in when something happens. The first circle is when your father is diagnosed with cancer. It immediately is happening to you, your family, and you are obviously in the first circle. Second circle would be your friends, your close friends 
friend, one of your best friend's fathers is diagnosed with cancer. When you're in the second circle, you know their address to send food to. You know when the funeral is, and of course you would be invited. You text them to check in on them and see how they're doing. You're getting the group text from the best friend who's like, hey guys, here's what's happening at the hospital today. And you know that you are part of that intimate circle. The third circle of grief is someone that you know, but there is more distance. You knew that you went to college together. You went to church together at your old church. You knew, you grew up with them, or maybe you work with them today, but it's a big office and you don't know each other that well, or you go to church today, but it's a big church. You don't know them that well. You think they probably know your face and name, but you know, you guys aren't DMing each other back and forth on Instagram. Maybe you have their number, but you would feel awkward perhaps texting because you think, what if they don't have my number in their phone and I don't really know them that well. I don't want to bother them in the midst of their grief. Fourth circle is where, let's say I follow an influencer on Instagram and her friend's husband passes away. I've, I've experienced that situation where it's, it's such a sad story and I'm really following it and I'm really heartbroken for them, but I've never met any of those people involved. I've never met the influencer in person. I'd never heard of her friend and the friend's husband until she posted about it. So I do feel more connected. It's not just a complete stranger. It's this person that I've had a, a relationship with through Instagram for years. It's someone that she knows, but I've never met them. And then fifth circle would be a news article that you read. I mean, you really had not known this person before. You don't have any friends in common. They're a stranger, but from a human empathetic perspective, you are still touched by, you know, the loss and it can, can make you really sad. So what is unique to me about the third circle of grief is that circles one and two, we know there is intimacy. And there is no self-consciousness about how, the fact that we're grieving and we are affected and we are sad and we are mourning and maybe we are angry at God or we are wrestling with our faith or whatever. And we're not thinking anyone would say, why are you that upset? Did you really know them that well? Like, of course we are intimate. And in the fourth and fifth, we know that we're distant. We're not deluding ourselves that we're wrapped up in this. We know we've never met them. They don't know us. We, you know, we, we don't have a, a two-way relationship, but the third circle of grief straddles those two. You are both intimate and distant at the same time. And it hits you in a different way because you have memories that connect you to this person. You, you can kind of say like, oh, I, I remember when this, and it feels like it hits closer to home because you have this connection. And yet you are not that close and you kind of, I find that what comes up for me is really wanting this awkward in-betweenness of, I don't want anyone to think that I am trying to pretend like I'm a second circle person. I don't want anyone to think that I'm acting all of a sudden like we were so close and I'm so bothered. So I almost can discount well, yeah, but you're like, don't, don't overstate it. You don't want anyone to think you're being dramatic or that you're trying to sort of, you know, go along with the energy of like, oh, this upsetting thing happened. And yes, I'm a part of that. I knew that person. But then I also feel that you can dismiss it and think, well, we didn't, I haven't even seen them in years. That's, that's silly. I don't even know them. We're not that close. And we can dismiss what actually is a very real thing because 
it does hit us differently. I remember years ago, there was a uh, shooting, unfortunately, at a country line dancing bar in Southern California called Borderline. And it was a place that I had gone to growing up. I drive by it all the time when I go home to see my parents. And there had also been a shooting at a yoga studio in Florida not too long before. And I remember this because I had explained this to myself and to close friends of mine, first putting to language this concept of third circle grief, where it was, it bothered me so much more the shooting in, uh, in California and because I could picture it. I had been to this place. I could picture the outside. I could picture when you walk in, I could picture where the bathrooms were. So as I'm hearing the stories, as I'm seeing the pictures, one picture has so much more life to me because I can picture everything else that's in that bar. A story of a, a bystander talking through it, I, I can picture in my mind. When I'm hearing and seeing those things from the yoga studio, it, it feels very separate. It's just a fifth circle story. Now, the yoga studio stood out to me because it was the first mass shooting I was aware of that was at a yoga studio. They have happened at bars and clubs, unfortunately, but somehow it felt more alarming that it was at a yoga studio. Like it's so calm. It's, there's not that many people. I just really, that story stood out to me, but it was a fifth circle story. I didn't know anybody involved. I don't, I didn't know the, the town in Florida. It meant nothing to me other than Wow, that was a scary and sad story. That was just so heartbreaking. Whereas when the borderline story happened, it was that third circle of, I just feel more rattled today. I'm not in deep mourning, no one that I know was lost, but my there's a, a shaky undercurrent to, to, to my day because you just kind of feel like, it, again, it hits closer to home, both, you know, perhaps pun, pun intended and unintended of it being someplace in my hometown that I have been. The other thing that I think is really noteworthy during this time of coronavirus is that the very next day, the Woolsey fire broke out, which is when there were fires in Northern and Southern California. This was about two years ago. And my parents had to evacuate for the first time ever. We've lived in Southern California uh, my whole life and have never had to evacuate because of the fires. And my parents packed up everything and like left in the middle of the night. And I remember each thing felt more upsetting because both of them had happened. It was like there was two little, again, we didn't know anyone directly in the shooting, but because the fire came right on the heels of it, it felt even more amplified. And I just felt so unsettled for days. Now, granted, my family is, you know, we're, we're still watching the fires. We don't know what's going to happen. And it reminds me of what some people may be experiencing right now during coronavirus. On the one hand, coronavirus is like the fire. You're watching it. You're watching the news. You're seeing what's happening. You're seeing what's safe. If you're safe, And simultaneously, there might be something that happens in your life or in your community that is like the borderline shooting. It's not related to coronavirus, but because it's one more thing that happens, it feels more alarming. It unsettles you more because you have multiple things that are happening at once, even if in your own life, my parents' house was safe, my parents were in a safe place, you know, everything was going to be okay. I wasn't worried that anyone was going to die. Like everything was going to be okay, but multiple just unsettling unsettling things were happening. I was in that second or third circle of grief, you know, kind of simultaneously. And the other thing that I think is noteworthy 
during coronavirus is that the next time that third circle grief really struck me was, uh, maybe it was two years ago now, there was uh, some families from my old church in my old neighborhood and uh, there was some moms crossing the street and a car went barreling through a light or a stop sign and killed multiple of the children. It was just horrific. And one of the fathers was my first boyfriend in New York's roommate, which meant that when I very first moved to the city for a year and a half of my life, this was someone I spent a ton of time with. There was three guys that lived together. We were all over at their apartment all the time. We had a shared circle of friends. We all went to church together. And so that third circle of grief was kind of that it took me back to being 22 sitting in their living room and it's like, you know, the, it's like a Christmas carol or whatever. It's like, if you had that ghost visit you to say, this is what's coming in the future. I mean, it would just, you, how, how could you survive? You know, like, how could you go down that path and get married and have children knowing that they were going to be taken in this tragic way? So these things are withheld from us. But then, oh my gosh, like we were so young, we were so innocent and we would never have imagined that one of us would go through such a devastating heartbreak. And if Harvey can go through that kind of heartbreak, what's to say that I won't go through that kind of heartbreak in five or 10 years? And so it it really, it takes, it feels more personal. It takes you back to some, for me, it takes me back to some previous time of innocence of feeling like I can't comprehend that we didn't, we didn't know that then, that that was coming and that that, oh, anyways, it's just so hard. But when that happens, I'm not immediately struck with what if this car accident happens to my family? Whereas right now during coronavirus, I'm experiencing something really similar with a colleague of mine who I was on a Broadway tour with many moons ago, um, Amanda Klutz. And, and even in this third circle, I'll say, for example, the, the friends that experienced the car accident, it was, to be honest, something super weird. In both cases of these friends, I found, I saw it on the news um, because in both cases, there was like a Broadway, like Tony award winner or Tony nominee that was in the couple. And so it was therefore quote newsworthy. Um, but the first couple, I, they weren't sharing about it publicly. Like they had private Instagram accounts. And so it didn't, there wasn't really anything for me to say on Instagram. It's like, I'm going through this morning. I go back to my old church. I'm seeing all my old friends and like crying with people that I haven't seen in years. And Jeremy's coming with me and I'm introducing him to people that, you know, he never would have met otherwise and, and all of this. And I'm, I'm reaching out to old friends from that time that I haven't talked to in years. But what, what was I going to say about it on Instagram? Like it just didn't really tie in anything. Whereas right now with Amanda, she is sharing about it publicly and she's asking everyone to dance every day for, for her and her husband to his song. And I'm thinking, okay, you know what? She's, she's asking for love and support. So I'm going to share this love and support and other people who want a positive thing to go love and support during this time. And she's, they're raising uh, money for them for GoFundMe. And that's like a beautiful thing to share because they are in a position of needing that. And also there is a sense of because of coronavirus, I am so much more affected by this story because as I think many of us are in this time, because there's a very real reality that this could happen to us. The fact that Amanda's husband is 41 
and healthy. So he's in the same age demographic as Jeremy, who's also healthy. And he was in LA. We live in New York. I mean, LA was an epicenter. New York is a 10 times worse epicenter. It's, I've, it has very much changed my experience of this whole pandemic by being in the third circle of grief with someone that is that that holds the candle of truth up to say this could happen to your family this could happen to your husband so i think it it i i see that just compared to some of my other friends or family members that i'm feeling more heightened around how we wash our hands and we wear our masks and we wear our gloves and we stay out of New York and and where are we going to be safe? Because I'm aware this is a very real thing. And I think that if you are in the fourth or fifth circles, there are some people for whom, and, and my mom has actually said this, like, she's like, you know, there really aren't cases where we live in California. I know that there are in LA. I know that there are in Sacramento. There really aren't cases around here. We really know almost no one. And my parents have a quite a huge circle from being a part of university and a church. And she's like, we know almost no one who's gotten it. I have more friends that have gotten it living in New York than, than my parents do. And uh, thankfully, all, all of our close friends have been okay. Um, but I have multiple friends that have, have gotten coronavirus. They just have not had to be hospitalized for it. So my mom's in this weird, like, I get that it's out there. I'm not being cavalier about it. And they don't go to the store very often. And they wear their gloves. And they have their masks and whatever. But she, it's still, it, she's a fourth and a fifth circle person. She's seen that it happens. And she's believing it. And she's responsible. And she's taking it seriously. But but I am waking up in the morning and grabbing my phone to go on Instagram and see if there's an update. And I, I catch myself throughout the day going over to Instagram to see if there's an update about Nick. And I'm checking one more time before I go to bed and I'm just praying for them so often. I think about them every day at three o'clock when this song comes on. It's such a more present part of my day and it is more heightened because the coronavirus is still out there. It is a thing that, yes, car accidents are a thing. Yes, cancer is a thing. But they, they, they don't feel like they are as immediately attached to what we're going through as if anyone is experiencing a third circle grief that is coming from coronavirus. It can feel much more intense. And if it is something like the borderline shooting in the Woolsey fire, maybe it's not that the third circle of grief for you is about coronavirus. It's about something else but the combination of those two things together is feeling really intense. And uh, one more thing about this is that we can oftentimes find ourselves without anyone to really talk with and empathize with when we're in this place. Because when we're in the fourth or fifth circle, we don't really need anyone to talk to. You know, you maybe tell some, tell one person about that news story that you heard and then you move on. When you're in the first and second circle, you've got a lot of people around you. But I got messages from multiple people talking about one of the things that was so hard is I I found out that this person, you know, had had this situation from you know, that I'd gone to high school with, but I wasn't really close to anyone else I went to high school with. So it's like I felt like I didn't have anyone to talk to. I felt this weird sense of grief, but no one else I knew knew this person. And hearing those stories immediately brought back for me, oh yeah, when there was the car accident, I had one friend from my old church that I don't remember if I texted her or she texted me. And it was such a blessing during that time when new news stories would come out and new information would emerge. I had 
my one friend, Hotsies, to reach out and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe this news story that I just heard and to kind of have someone to process with. And I've realized with Amanda, as she's been uh, posting Instagram stories of other people dancing and, and singing um, during the daily wake up Nick time, um, I've seen so many familiar faces of girls that I've performed with over the years because of our musical theater community. And so I've DM'd so many of them just saying like, hey, it was just so lovely to see your face. You know, I'm sorry it's under such sad circumstances, um, but you know, I really hope that that you're well. And just feeling that sense of, of connection, of wanting to reach out. I have another friend that Amanda and I were on tour with and and she and I have been messaging and yes, we again have vaguely been friends over the years, but to really be able to process like, oh right, we are both in this third circle of grief, but a lot of times we can find ourselves because we are distant, not knowing other people in that time. And then we all the more so, we don't talk about it, we downplay it, and we don't really allow ourselves to process it. And that's what I want to encourage us to do is uh, today is to own and acknowledge this third circle space, to not apologize for it, to be able to have language and acknowledge what's happening, and to be able to talk to other people in our lives, even if that's just expressing, I'm experiencing this third circle grief thing right now. And it's okay that they don't know that other person. They can still hold space for you to talk about what your experience is. So three things I want to say in closing. Number one is that your grief and fear is valid. There is a grief that comes when we are in the third circle because we are perhaps taking ourselves back to some earlier time or in some way it just does hit closer to home that makes us feel more vulnerable than when we're in the fourth and fifth. And that may bring up some more sense of fear of this could happen to me. I feel a little bit more you know, shaken than if I didn't have a connection to this. Number two is that I also want to say moving on is okay. A few months ago, I did an episode here on mindful Instagram, and I talked about unfollowing people, not because people were negative or whatever. I was really just talking about how much we consume on there and how much we scroll, and are we just following so many people that we're just, I was just noticing I was scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I thought, I'm not getting anything out of this content. I need to literally slow my scroll to glean content, so let me limit the amount of people that I'm following a little bit. And um, to, to people that I'm really getting value from. And some of the people that I unfollowed during that time were people that I was in the fourth circle of grief, third or fourth circle, and had started following over the last year. There had been a, a, a death, a loss, an injury, an accident, and they may have been a colleague that I met once. So I was kind of in that third circle. I had, I had met them at a conference. We had mutual friends. Or I may have been in the fourth that they... I had a lot of friends that followed them on Instagram and the story started getting traction and I started following along. And I really had to ask myself, am I called to bear this grief? Because we have a broader social circle than ever before. If you just go back you know, 30 years, we are so much more, I don't know, maybe a little longer than that, but we are so much more transient. We move so much more. We know so many more people than our grandparents' generation did. And then you add the internet and specifically social media on top of that. And now I can go and see what people I went to college with are up to, even though I have not talked to them in years, but I can be aware and I can follow complete strangers on Instagram and be so intimately connected to their lives. And so we have so many more connections and that is beautiful. But I also think that there is a balance that 
ultimately who we are called to is our inner circle of people. And I think that number number three, my sort of final point here, is that this process is ultimately about healing us and healing others. And when we find ourselves in the third circle of grief, there may be some healing that needs to happen. There's just some mourning, some processing. We don't want to dismiss that. We want to acknowledge that it it affected us. It it shook us. We feel you know, tied somehow to what is happening. We have some memories, we have some connection, but in general, processing grief often becomes about healing the other person. When we're in the second circle, we are healing the first, first circle people and we are sticking around. We are part of that grief. We did an episode on how to be a good friend during grief. That was one of our most widely shared ever. I will link that below. And what is so important during that time is that we stay present, that we don't move on, that we keep checking in with a friend, that we keep texting and we keep dropping by and we don't think that you know two weeks or two months or two years after the loss, everything has just gone back to normal. We, we are good friends and we keep showing up and we don't have to say the perfect thing, we don't have to do the perfect thing, we just keep showing up. But those are for people where we are in the second circle of grief. And when we're in the third circle of grief, or the fourth circle of grief is when it is appropriate at a certain time to move on because the, the healing and the grieving really was for us. If you're in the third circle, you're not blessing them by lurking on their social media page, by following them on, on Instagram and, and commenting necessarily. They are not feeling less supported because that third circle, yes, it can feel nice that there's a lot of likes and a lot of comments and all of that in the beginning, but I would imagine that months and years into that grief, the people that are really helping you walk through that are your second circle people. So I think we also should ask ourselves, am I being called to carry this grief? Am I just following a lot of these accounts on Instagram because I almost feel feel guilty unfollowing like what I'm, I'm over their grief. I don't want to hear this sadness anymore. So we can kind of keep bearing these stories. When I really asked myself, if I am simply seeing the sadness and the loss from this account, that again, I'm in a third or fourth circle. I don't have a, a close relationship. And, and this has now been months. Is there just that little bit of energy added up through multiple different accounts that is pulling me away from the much tinier grief, but if someone that I'm actually in their second circle, the friend that is you know homeschooling her kids and just exhausted during this time and just wants someone to, to send her a text and be like, hey, I'm just thinking of you, like I'm sure you have so much going on, or the single friend who's quarantining alone that need, you know, is so happy when somebody reaches out and gives them conversation in the middle of the day. And we can get pulled into the more dramatic grief stories that we're actually just in the third or fourth circle in and therefore miss out on the people that we're really called to, that it's less dramatic, it's it's less intense, but that, that is really where our, our focus should be. Who are the people that are in our inner circle that we really are called to and finding that balance? So I think that third circle grief is about not dismissing and honoring what the experience is, not downplaying it, but then also giving ourselves the the permission to at some point move on and allow that space in our lives to be present for the people who are in the first and second circle. So my heart goes out to anyone who is in 
any of these circles of grief during this time. I hope this helps you to feel more seen and validated in your experience, whatever it is, all the reasons why it might be more heightened during this time, but that also just gives you some language for something that we continue to find ourselves in um, at other times all throughout this. So I would truly love to hear your thoughts and uh, and story and experience with this. If you would come over to Instagram, leave a comment below my latest post, whatever it is. I am so honored to be in relationship with you there. And as we talked about at the top of the episode, that's really uh, where this becomes a two-way relationship. And I can hear back from you that continues to shape this conversation. So come over, leave me a comment there. And thank you for being present in Instagram stories and being the inspiration for these broader conversations that we are having. I am so honored to be in community with you in the good times and bad, um, vulnerably and and joyfully and all of the things oh wait one more thing don't miss this before you go love yes something i'm loving lately i realized over the weekend is having less personal to do's during the season and i we may not all be having the same experience here if you have kids that are home from school and your work is busier than ever you may just feel like it is chaos seven days a week but for me i am realizing that because there's there's not errands to run. I personally am not at home. I don't know how much it would change there, but little things like I can't go to the dentist. I can't go to the doctor. Um, there's just more things that I normally would have had on my list that maybe I don't get through during my work week and then come the weekend, I've got them on my list to try to get through. And because we are going less places, because we are trying to go less places, I get to the weekend and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to do some puzzles. I'm going to read some books. I'm going to talk to some friends. And it really is starting to stand out to me that there are not that many weekends at home when I really don't have anything on my list. And this is something Jeremy and I had already been working on is this realization that through wedding planning and moving into our new apartment, we had a year and a half, two years, I don't know, a long time of our life where it felt like every single weekend there was the longest personal to-do list. And it was a major reason I was so motivated to get my apartment done when we moved into our new place as quickly as I can and just make decisions and not have it be a two-year project because I wanted to get to a point where we were back to having Saturdays or Sundays where we didn't have to do anything. I mean, maybe there's a couple things if we wanted to do them, but it just didn't feel like there was these projects hanging over our heads. So we had gotten to that point, but it feels even more heightened now. And I want to hold on to it. So I am speaking it aloud today as RPS because I want to consider for myself as we start to go back to quote unquote normal at some point, of course, whatever that means, really being aware how free my Saturdays and Sundays feel and what choices would I need to make to keep that in the same way? Is it saying yes to less things? Is it, you know, just getting less used to every, every idea I have is an idea that I should take action on. We talked about this a little bit last week. I have more ideas than there are hours in the day. So now I have less options of things to come up with for me to do because I don't have all of these errands to run. I'm not going to be taking those dresses to the tailor. I'm not dropping things off at dry cleaning. I mean, just little things when you think about it that I are errands that I'm not running. And so they just aren't ending up on my list. That dress in in my closet in there that needs the button put back on. It's just sitting there. 
I'm not writing it out on my list. Where am I going to take it? <laughs> and so it's, it's for me, a helpful little pattern interrupt of, huh, I don't have the answer yet, but what would it look like to not be adding all of these things to the list every weekend and really saying, I guess, I don't know, maybe like, what are the couple that really matter the most? And the rest are just going to sit there. I don't have all the answers yet because I know that it will start to come back up. But I'm really acknowledging that there is a, a lightness and a freedom and a true rest that, again, please don't hate me if you have kids at home and you feel totally exhausted and this is not your experience. But I am aware that that is a big difference for me on weekends and that I would like to keep that going back. And so I don't know how to fix it in the future. But I think, as always, by talking about things and acknowledging them is the first step to becoming more aware and having more breakthroughs in our problem solving. One last thing that I want to answer, uh, add in for PSM I'm Loving Lately is a healthy-ish chocolate chip cookie recipe that my friend Stephanie gave me. I will link it below. The cookies taste healthier. You know, they don't taste like the ones on the back of the Toll House bag because they have way less sugar and crap in there for you. Um, but they are lovely and delicious. So if you're looking for something to bake, I will put that recipe there. And uh, if you have not caught the first two episodes of, uh, and probably only two episodes of my cooking show over on IGTV, I will link those as well. Um, spoiler alert, they are not really the highest quality recipes. Um, I would more so term them a comedy show, but you guys have loved them and it has brought me so much joy. Uh, to share them with you. So if you are looking for a little bit of joy in your day, I will link those below. All right, my dear, I will see you back here next Wednesday with grace and gumption. Till next Wednesday.